0: Hi, so we are Daniel and Vicki Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is actually day eight of our 365-day journey with you. My wife and I, we are passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids, and so we talk about the principles that any parent can learn and apply to help their own children discover the very best version of of themselves. We answer questions, uh, the most basic fears that parents have. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm gonna mess my kids up. And so for the next 365 days, we are inviting you into our experiment. We are going to walk alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. So. One of the things that we've talked about already is we've talked about mindset. We've talked about belief systems. And the reason that we've spent a lot of time talking about that is because nothing really changes until you change your beliefs about something. Anything else is just basically an elaborate band aid, it's not really going to the core of the problem and actually helping. It's kind of like the difference between, you know, you can. If you have a cold, you load up on vitamin C and that'll actually help you get better. It'll give your body what it needs to to heal versus just taking a bunch of Sudafed which yeah, it may help clear up your stuffy nose, but it's not actually healing you. And so, anyways, what well, we really we really spend a lot of time and a lot of focus on that because it's so key to everything that we talk about. One of the things that I talked about in relation to belief systems was the role that the school system has in molding and shaping uh, what we believe. And again, that's largely the product of just simply (coughs) doing the math. We're in school seven days a week, or I'm sorry, not seven days a week, seven hours a day, five days a week, 40 weeks a year, for 13 years. I mean, there's no way around the influence that's going to have. Um, and so <clears throat> what I wanted to do was just to introduce uh, kind of a, a shift. And that's, I want to start digging into how in the world those belief systems got into our brains in the first place through schooling. And there's probably something that you um, you may not realize I'm gonna to suggest to you there are actually seven lessons that you had no idea you were learning when you were in school. And the reason you had no idea about it is because it wasn't like one of your teachers was lecturing about it, it wasn't like you ever read it in a textbook, it it wasn't as if you ever took a standardized test on it, and yet it's there, it's embedded in the DNA, it's literally in the drinking water of the school system. And so, I just wanted to kind of touch on on a few things because I'm actually going to suggest something that might surprise you. You know, I taught for 14 years. I have a teaching certificate. Uh, I've done this. I'm speaking as somebody who has been inside the system, and I'm trying to give you some insight that might be helpful to you as you figure out how you're going to navigate your own journey uh, with your family. But our compulsory government school system, the public school system, is probably one of America's greatest success stories. Which probably might sound a little ridiculous because most everybody realizes that, hey, I mean, there's a lot of problems with our our school system. But, you know, it's interesting. When I taught, and I taught public school, I taught private. uh, I taught all high school, but I, I taught some private, some public. I taught AP college prep. Um, all things history, U.S. history, world history, geography, government, economics, even among my fellow teachers, students, and their parents, almost no one could imagine educating students any differently. And so it's interesting because I, I, after 14 years of classroom experience, I absolutely share John Taylor Gatto's conviction that the method of schooling is only real content it offers. It's not really teaching you how to think, it's just teaching you simply what you're supposed to think and then standardizing that in you. And so I think we really have to examine what it is to really give our children an education. They need to learn how to serve a higher purpose than just themselves. They need to learn how to learn. They have to be able to self-educate, in other words. They need to learn to persevere, to be courageous, to be honorable, to love from the heart, and to serve others. And none of these lessons are things that they are learning in the school system. You know, it's interesting, one of the one of the big buzzwords in education, right, was critical thinking. And man, I, I mean, every single staff meeting, every staff development, every teacher in service I ever attended, that was a constant buzzword because critical thinking always promised a brighter future for our students. And you know what? It certainly would if it were ever actually implemented. But any school that dared to equip their students with the tools that develop free minds, uh, it would not last a year without colleagues completely collapsing on itself. So I I wouldn't exactly hold your breath. But I'm going to suggest something again, and I'm saying this as a teacher, but I think that as we've delegated the training of students to, quote, certified experts, it's actually prevented our children from developing into their full potential. And if that assessment seems a little harsh, I just want you to consider the latest product of the school system. Um, and that is the millennial generation. Now, I know there's a lot that's said about millennials. I'm not trying to pile on. I'm not trying to get a quick laugh at their expense uh, because I'll just say right here at the outset, I I think that uh, millennials have been done a great disservice by the sorts of lessons that were transmitted to them through the school system, and so you know we all have to own our response to things but there is a part in this mess that really uh was put in in them in such a way that it's created a disadvantage for them so anyways and and again these are these are general observations okay obviously there's exceptions that disprove the rule or I, I, there's exceptions but exceptions don't disprove the rule so one of the things that uh, you'll see in millennials, they're largely indifferent to adult responsibilities. They they don't really give much thought to the future. Uh, pretty much their their main focus is the diversion of toys and violence and, and just the immediate. Uh, regardless of their economic status, millennials find it very difficult to concentrate on anything for very long. Their, their attention span is, is very short. They also possess a very poor sense of historical context and where their individual place is within it. It's one of the reasons why they have such an identity crisis, is because they don't ever bother learning where they come from. They don't really bother learning about the heritage and culture uh, in which uh, they, they are from. Millennials are very mistrustful of intimacy, like the children of divorce that they really are. And oftentimes, they're even divorced for meaningful parental engagement. Not because parents don't want to, they just don't know how to. Uh, Millennials despise solitude. One of the worst things for them is to be alone, but they feel entitled, materialistic, dependent, passive, violent. They're very timid confronting the unexpected, and they are just addicted to distraction. And so there's there's a lot of of course, discussion about that. And part of that discussion is, well, how do we fix the problem? And and so the debate always centers around, well, you know, if we, if we just created some sort of national curriculum, we could really solve all these problems. And here's the problem. A national curriculum has already existed for quite a while, and it's pretty deeply embedded in the school system. In fact, as I alluded to earlier, it's in the seven lessons you never knew you learned in school and this national hysteria that we have over our failing academic performance completely misses the point what's the point well schools teach exactly what they were designed to teach and they do it exceptionally well it's you know how to be a good egyptian and know your place in the pyramid and remain there right um now, as millennials are, are starting to, you know go through college and migrate past it, and now they're dealing with exorbitant school loans, at least they're beginning to realize that, you know, graduating from college with a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt and a double major in Marxist pottery and selective outrage does not exactly make you an employable man or woman. And so there's a shift. There's, there's a hopefully a, a, some leverage that, that is coming forth from that, and it's it's going to help them kind of break free from that. But you know, it's interesting when you look back in history, and, and, I, and I do a lot, I'm kind of a history geek that way, but it's worth remembering that just a few generations ago, life in general and education in particular was very different than the system we have now. Originality, variety, self-sufficiency, that was the currency of those times. And and what happened is these ideals gave our country a freedom, a freedom that literally made us the envy of the world. Social class boundaries were easily crossed here. Our citizenry was marvelously confident, innovative, and intellectually independent. And somehow. We managed to accomplish all of these amazing things by ourselves without large scale government intrusion, without institutions and social agencies and teachers and everybody, every other certified expert telling us what to think and how to feel. And so into this, this gap, this, this centralized social control expanded a lot, mm. primarily during the Civil War and now it's moved into our modern era. But but you know before this development education was offered to whatever degree an individual wanted and desired it. Because think about it, only a centralized society requires a compulsory government monopoly over the school system in order to maintain themselves, right? In other words, our system is so bad, we have to force you by law and by threat of fine and potentially jail time to coerce you to do this instead of just having a system that's worth enough for people to voluntarily go on their own. Um, just give you one quick example. You know, we now have a bunch of reading specialists and people learn to read, write, and compute arithmetic quite well. Um, There are a number of studies that suggest that literacy at the time of the American Revolution, at least for for the non-slaves on the Eastern seaboard, was close to 100%. I mean, just a quick example, Thomas Paine, he writes Common Sense, it sells 600,000 copies to a population of 3 million and 20% of that 3 million were slaves and 50% were indentured servants. So we lived in a literate society. Of course, now that's gone down quite a bit. If you were to go back in time, let's say you could go back into a time machine and you could go back to 1850 and you picked up a fifth grade math or rhetoric textbook, it would likely be college level today. I mean, think about that. And, and if, you're, if you're thinking, um, well, come on, you're overstating the case. That's, that's not a little of an exaggeration. Okay, do this. Pick up a copy of Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. And reading that is going to reveal an innovative man of great intellectual and moral understanding who had no time to waste being schooled. And so, one of the things that uh, makes this, again, so insidious is that these, these seven lessons... Uh, we had no idea we were learning them. School is very much like starting life with a 13-year jail sentence in which bad habits are pretty much the only curriculum, honestly. Um, And and again, this is something I saw 14 years of. there's no doubt that, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm so sad that that Mr. Gatto recently passed away, but I, I literally owe my teaching career to that man. I, I, wish, um, I wish I could have met him. Um, but if I hadn't read his books prior to getting into teaching, I would have been a very different teacher. And here's the saddest part. I would have taught each and every one of these seven lessons to my kids. Not because I hated them, not because I wanted to ruin their lives, but because I truly would have believed with the sincerest intent that what I was doing was for their benefit. And that's the scariest part of all, because it's a sad truth in history that there has been far greater harm done in the name of sincerity than in the name of tyranny. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about, you know, the worst dictators... Like a Joseph Stalin who presides over the death of anywhere between 20 to 30 million people under the oppressive communist state in Russia. And yet he did that believing, believing that communism was the way to make Russia great, to make the lives of the people great. And he believed that so much he was willing to kill them by the millions, all in the name of sincerity. So these these seven lessons that I've, I've talked about, it's really... It's really more or less an architectural blueprint for constructing the machine that produces and maintains a permanent underclass of people. And these people are forever deprived of discovering and experiencing their own unique potential. And this is one of the things that drives me, uh, that just, it broke my heart to see this happen at school. These kids with so much potential and it basically, for all intents and purposes, just being crushed out of them. All right, so let's take a look at lesson one. Lesson one of the seven lessons that you had no idea you were learning in school. So public schools, they teach curriculum without a context. Their curriculum is completely unrelated to the other subjects that they teach, and it's based upon disconnected information and activities. You have a whole host of activities and things going on all the time at school, and if there is any connection, it's never discussed, it's never talked about, it's never brought to the attention of the student, or the teacher for that matter. It's just all these separate concrete things that are happening simultaneously in a school day, and somehow magically that's supposed to create, I don't know, education? But this is why... Lesson number one is confusion is the new normal it's the new normal I mean what was you know what was your experience in in school like honey? I mean, just kind of go back a little bit what was what was that like i mean do you, do you feel like, oh yeah, I had a real clear idea of what I was doing, why I was doing it and and the benefit that it was supposed to produce, or was it just kind of what was it like
1: oh yeah, no, absolutely not there was no. Like you said, there was no connection. And I didn't really realize that, obviously. And I remember when we started talking about homeschooling, Landry and I was panicking because I felt completely unqualified because I didn't go to college and I felt very insecure about that. And when I started, especially even learning this, learning about these lessons, uh, because I've heard you speak, and I've heard you share this, and it was like, wow, that is so true. The things that that you're going to talk a lot more about um, that I didn't realize that I was learning, and they were really conditioning. They were things that were conditioning. And uh, I remember, you know, talking to my parents when we decided to homeschool Landry, because I think the the parents tend to go, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> right. What what are you gonna do? And why aren't you putting her in school? And are you sure, you know? And uh I think what I've really seen in the in the process of, of teaching Landry, uh, for the last how many years now, since kindergarten. Since he was and, yeah, since she was four. Yeah, since she was four years old. And um just the difference of uh being in a even in an environment at home that's conducive to learning without all the other all the other distractions, I think um and we'll go into a lot of these things as we move through it. but I remember in the beginning being worried about socialization, being asked about socialization a lot oh and, yeah we'll
0: we'll definitely, I know yeah. we're gonna go
1: into that, but yeah. really, I've realized so much about what um just that there is no place for socialization in learning in a sense. Like I've, I learned so much about the distraction and, um, the pressure that came. And when you take those things away, it's pretty amazing that how much you, that you are able to connect, especially, I love this part, this curriculum without a context and how it's unrelated to other subjects. And that is so true. There's really no rhyme or reason. And, um, that's been a huge, huge difference, I think, in being able to teach at home and um, yeah, and and not have, I don't know, the influence of this on, yeah. on Landry.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it's interesting, you know, if you look at the public schools, I mean, even the best public schools, and, and I, I taught at one that was supposed to be the crown jewel of the LUSD. We won several national academic decathlon titles, and uh, I even helped out, you know, one of the years in that but but what they do is they exploit a student's inability to coherently think about or go through this panic and anger that they experience from these constant violations of the natural learning sequence that we go through as human beings and so it's a school is oftentimes a very frustrating experience it's not something that uh you know, and, and again, I'm not saying this, I'm saying this as a, as, as a teacher of 14 years. I also polled my students on this. I asked them, I said, look, you know, and, and if your students know that you sincerely, genuinely are asking because you want to know the answer, they'll be very honest with you. You know, they, they really don't hold back. And for 14 years, I asked this and I, and I discovered that their enthusiasm for learning almost always ended by sixth or seventh grade largely because they really struggled to make sense of what they were actually supposed to learn. And I'm talking, even the kids who did all the work and aced all the tests, they had the same struggle and the same frustration, right? It's just that they were a little bit more willing to kind of play the game and get the grade, whereas other students would be frustrated and go, what's the point? And they just stopped altogether. But see, what, what ends up happening is students graduate from high school and they have all this, all this superficial jargon that they've pulled from a whole bunch of study uh, studying a bunch of subjects that they've been trained to value somehow instead of graduating with a genuine enthusiasm and love for learning because see that would actually help them if they really genuinely loved it then that would change everything for them but What ends up happening is then the school system sells this whole process to both children and parents as, quote, quality education. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth. You know, again, polled my students and asked them, I said, how much of your, because I had mostly seniors and, and juniors, I said, how much of your education in school, you know, now that you've been in for all this time, would you really consider worthwhile and valuable? And you know, the answer completely shocked me, but this was consistent over 14 years. They said somewhere between 10 to 20% was actually meaningful and actually helped me and benefited me in some way. The rest was a complete waste of time. Just think about in your own life for a second, how much of what you learned in school, whatever that was, do you still have? how much did what you learned there actually help you in some way? I mean, I can only speak for myself. It really didn't do a lot for me. I will say that there were a couple of teachers I had that inspired me to want to be a teacher myself. And, and that was good. And, and I had I had a couple of teachers that I feel like there was some good things I learned from. But again, I'd, I'd say I was pretty much in the same boat. Maybe 20% of my education actually meant something. The rest of it was, you know, eh. And so... Here's, here's the problem. Is this, this, the way of, that schooling is done in, in, the, in, our, in our school system is it conflicts with a human being's instinctive desire to seek meaning in their learning. They don't want a bunch of disconnected facts that are taught in different classes that are completely unrelated to each other. Human beings want to learn when there's meaning attached to the learning. So true education is naturally going to involve in-depth, interconnected learning. And that is an experience rarely, if ever, enjoyed in public schools. And so this this idea of confusion being the new normal, that's one of the lessons that, again, is transmitted through the school system. Because see, the edutocracy, I call the the educrats and and the the bureaucrats, I sort of merge it as the edutocracy. They, they've they developed, a, well, it seems like a completely random network of learning sequences that get further distorted with their obsession with unproven educational fads that obstruct and confuse this normal process of learning. You know, one of the things that, I mean, in my teacher education classes, which were such a waste, oh, painful, but I would literally pull out examples from my students and share from what I was supposedly, quote, learning in my teacher management training classes. And it was hysterical. I mean, my students would crack up and I go, can you believe this is what they actually want me to be doing in the classroom? And they'd be like, yeah, Mr. H, if, if, if any teacher did that, man, they would they would get eaten alive. I mean, it would be like shark week in there with so much blood chumming in the water. I mean, it it would not be pretty. And yet this is, this is their best answer for, this is what you should be doing in the classroom with students. It's a bunch of, every year we had some new quote, thing that we were doing with the students that was supposed to, this is gonna transform it all. This is gonna change everything. And of course it never did because it can't. It's some unproven fad that is out just as quickly as it was in. And so, this sense of confusion gets forced on students by way too many strange adults. Again, forty-eight strangers are in our kids' lives over the course of their thirteen years in school, and each one of these teachers has only the thinnest relationship with each other. I mean, yeah, you have teacher buddies and stuff, but for the most part, for the most part, you're you're so busy doing your stuff, you don't you don't really have time. And honestly. Um, the, the staff rooms were pretty discouraging. Uh, this, all these teachers complaining about students, complaining, complaining, complaining about everything. I'm like, I just don't have time for the negativity. And so I, I ate lunch in my, my own classroom and would hang out with my students and stuff because I just couldn't deal with the negativity. But, you know, it's just, I just want to put out just some questions to you. I'm, I'm not going to answer them. I just want you to kind of take these away and really think about this. How many teachers do you really think are willing to entrust their students with the tools of critical thought inside of an institution that demands unquestioning obedience and acceptance? They do it by saying, look, this is what you have to regurgitate back on a standardized test, and if you do that, I'll reward you with a good grade. If you don't do that, I will fail you. So students are rewarded for simply regurgitating back Whatever their teacher or whatever their textbook told them is true. That's it. So again, how many teachers do you think are really truly willing to entrust their students with the power of critical thinking? How many teachers do you think actually have that power themselves to critically think and not just simply tow the company line, whatever that happens to be from the administration or from the textbook, rather than actually explore and think about what might be true or what might not be true? The second question is, how much of whatever you quote unquote learned in school can you even remember today or do you even value today? and that's you know kind of question 3 is based on whatever you can remember how much of what you learned there would you consider valuable again just just some just some questions to think about and i wanted to throw it back to you honey real quick just to to touch on like what was what did when you graduated high school what did you think about learning or i mean how would how would maybe you have answered you know, these questions that I just posed uh, to the audience?
1: Well, I definitely don't remember a lot. (laughs) I think that when I graduated, um, it was really more of stepping out into what was next. And I definitely did not feel like I had much um, that I was bringing with me. Um, I think that... If I think back now, my favorite class was child psychology. And that was mm. something that I was really interested in yeah. and wanted to do, ironically, um, that I've been working with you, <laughs> there know, you go. in this yeah. field, per se, for the last 16 years and really working with adults and um, helping in that area. But I think that it, it is a really interesting thing to look at education and educating our kids because even... Whatever you choose, however you choose to educate your kids, whether it's to homeschool or to um, some people don't, don't, um, can't, or, or they're not, they feel like they're, maybe that isn't the answer for them. Whatever it is, it's important to be aware of these things so that you can really help your kids um, navigate through them, navigate through helping them to learn how to learn while they're at home and taking that with them into into that um community i guess um but i think that it's really really important to look at this because i know that when we first started looking at our education the things that i thought were important because i was kind of programmed to think so right have really i've really grown to see just are not um they are not and so it's i'm really really grateful for this and really grateful that we've been able to learn together and that i see that landry has a real desire um you know to learn and she's really able to do that so i'm really encouraged and grateful for that but yeah i think that uh i can definitely say i learn i have learned more by homeschooling landry than i did in school that's for sure
0: yeah and I just want to throw this out there to you guys too um, you know my my objective here is not to to you know just get on a soapbox and bash on the public school system because um you know uh but at the same time you have to look at what it's doing and and you can't sugarcoat something either just because it's uncomfortable so I'm not trying to soapbox on the public school system but i I do feel it's very important to understand these, these lessons that the public school system is teaching. And the other thing I just want to throw out there too, uh, as we kind of wrap up the, the, the show today, is that yes, uh, my wife and I, we are unapologetically in favor of homeschooling. However, there are a lot of great alternatives out there. And homeschooling may not be an option for your family. What we are saying is, we're not we're not rah-rah-ing about homeschool as much as we're talking about the necessity of being intentional concerning how you are raising and educating your children. That is key. that That is really what our message is. is It's about intentionality, not about the particular modality that you're using to educate your child it's just it's about being intentional more than anything else so i just wanted to kind of put that out there because i realized you know as i'm kind of hearing us talk a little bit about this we've been talking a lot about public school system talking a lot about homeschool and um you know again i I just want to be clear about about some of those things so uh guys thank you so much for listening uh Again, there are so many podcasts you'd be listening to and you tune into this one and we're so grateful for that. Please check out our website, uh, pk4l.com for more resources and click on uh, the link in the show description if you haven't done so already and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home as our gift to you. Remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.